Lucas Simpson, it is an absolute pleasure to sit down with you and get to know the world of art and understand your experience, because I think that it's really important for artists to be able to share their story so that people have a better understanding of how they can kind of follow in the footsteps, but obviously not perfectly. It's important to have that balance and just to inspire yourself with other people's stories. So could you give us a brief introduction? Whoa. Hey there, man. Pleasure to meet you. Um, hi, my name's Lucas. I am a local artist. I've been doing this for the last four years. But in the meantime, I was studying at the University of Victoria, studying theater, but never really did much with it. So, And now I'm a full-time resident here in Chilliwack, and I'm simply here to make some color in this crazy, crazy world we live in right now. People need art more than ever right now. So I'm here to do what I can. Well, that's awesome. And you have an art exhibit going on. And I, I think we should just start there. And then we'll work our way backwards into, into where that all came from. Sure. Can you tell us a little bit about the art exhibit? Yeah, okay. So it's simply titled Lucas Simpson. It's at the Chilliwack Cultural Center. And it runs from now, <laughs> of course, until March 19th at the Cultural Center. Monday to Tuesday, 10 till 2. So yeah, you can stop by and see the art that I've been creating over the years. And in the same time, if you're lucky, I'll be in the art gallery actually doing some live demonstrations of my art. I've got a bunch of commissions in the works right now, so it might be fun to get some of it done in front of people because with a, th with a theater background, I'm pretty good at doing it on the spot, having people watch. So yeah, if you want to come by, see some really fun color, just uh, stop by and say hi. That's so wild because yeah, this man. is your first art exhibit, right? First art exhibit. Like, so I've been at the Chilliwack Fair that they have down, oh, Heritage Park, I think it's called. So like, I've been there doing live demonstrations of my work. Like maybe two summers ago, I was doing that. Then the summer before that. So I'm used to being in the public space with my art. But this is the first time where they've gone, hey, you, out of anybody else, we like what you got going on. We want to showcase it. And show the world what you got. And it has been a truly humbling experience because I've been working so hard at this and to finally have the chance to really put out in the front, go, hi, Chilliwack. I'm an artist to be taken seriously. Hear me roar. Here's what I'm about. It's 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 an honor. What, it really is. What, how did it all come about? Because that's got to be such a such a fulfilling moment for you to be able to go from working hard and building up everything you've been doing to move into this more public, more official, more professional environment. What was that whole it, deal like? Well, it was, you know, it really felt like the hard work paid off. And I'm not done, obviously, so I've got a whole lifetime ahead. I've only been doing this for four years, and I don't have any formal academic training when it comes to this stuff. So I just kind of picked up a brush one day, decided to get at it, and this is what happens when you, when you work hard, people. It eventually pays off. It really does. You just Who knows when it's going to happen? You can't set any expectations for when these things happen, but you just got to be open to all the little things that happen along the way when it comes to success. Every new day is a piece of success when you work hard at something that you're passionate about. It's That's just how it is. And so it feels like, not that it's, it just feels like it makes sense. It makes sense that I've been working hard at something and I've been getting little traction over, I've been getting traction over time and it just feels like it's, it's time. It's time to shine, my friends. That's awesome because I feel the exact same way. When I started with the podcast, it was just, I didn't tell anyone about it publicly. I was working on it behind the scenes, just trying to get, figure out how to do an interview, how to communicate, how to ask questions, doing open source research, trying to get information on the person, yeah. trying to make sure that I was a prepared person. What have you gained from this? 
This has been amazing for building connections and understanding people better and really understanding where people's origin stories come from. Like, it's such a pleasure to be able to sit down with people like yourself who have gone on this journey and be able to get the story from all of those experiences and the growth and the moments where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm feeling lost. And then all of a sudden something happens and the person knows where they want to go from there. And hearing that like weekly is just, it's so fulfilling for me Mm -hmm. because I'm not artistic physically. But I love a good conversation and being able to do this and get the response and get that traction and have people on has been such an honor to be able to share people's stories. Hell yeah, man. Well, I'll let you know this now that a big part of what I do is showcasing that anybody can do art. That's I mean, obviously, that's what most teachers are all about. But don't worry, you got some abstract thought in your head, I bet. So I feel like you could get it out if you really tried. So because a part because like the part of how this started for me was experimentation, maybe doing a little bit of sketching in practice, like maybe one hour a day, trying to create it. And so many little things. I, when I got all excited about this whole thing, I when I came home to Victoria when I was studying, I was literally making little sketch graphite pieces of art every single day for like three to four months, and it just started. Like I didn't have any academic training when it came to like how to draw things. Like of course I have taken courses in university that were like basic 101 academic study classes where it was about how drawing basic structures to make more complicated things. But when it came to my own work, it was really rejecting those teachings to do my own thing. So I just did a little bit of something over a long period of time. You eventually learn your own things and you get comfortable within your own styles of how you want to get something out. And then it just goes from there. That's amazing. Can you tell us a little bit more about the exhibit? How was everything set up? Did you get a call and somebody was like, hey, we've seen what you've been doing? What was that whole process like? Well, I knew that they were looking to find somebody to fill that space because right now there's nothing going on at the cultural center. No performances are, of course, right? So they wanted to get just something happening. And so, yeah, I, I just got a call saying, hey, by the way, we are doing... We're hosting some form of like a submission for artists around to show off their work. And, you know, I showed a few, I sent a few of my pieces off and I, I was the youngest person that they selected for this because the other people were like university professors and like people who've been doing this their whole life. And I got chosen because I guess I offer something special with my, with my art. And it's so as simple as, Hey, you have we think that you would be the perfect match for showcasing young artists in our city and that's kind of how it started just simply a phone call and just hearing a hearing an announcement and submitting and just being confident like not going oh i don't think i'm ready i don't i'm too i don't think i've got what it takes like no i knew i i know i have what it takes so i threw myself in there and here i am that's so important to be able to go into it and say you know what i'm just going to do it because there's so many people who are half in half out on you have what to believe doing. in yourself you can't be half assing yourself all the time also can we swear of course hell yeah so <laughs> no i think in any field any medium of whether it be work or your passions or hobbies you just got to believe you're good at it <laughs> and and move forward <laughs> fake it till you make it so what was the process so you get the call and then that, everything starts getting set up or did you have to start painting to prepare what so was the... not at all so this is showcasing work that i've already created but it was funny because i had just been accepted with the commission they gave me for their mural that i did in their ladies washroom so literally the day that i was told um this is what you're going to paint this is what we're going to commission you they're like oh by the way 
Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. I'm getting I'm getting things all mixed up because this was supposed to happen last year. This was supposed to happen in like November, but it actually got closed down because new restrictions went into place that these places couldn't open. So <laughs> literally the day that I started announcing the original show, um, that same day they told me I could start advertising it. They gave me a call and said, Hey, by the way, we just got new rules. We have to cancel the show. So <laughs> I'm like, I put the poster out. I put it all out on social media. They're like, yeah, nope. You got to take that stuff down. I'm like, okay, that's my fucking sucks. But it was a blessing in the skies because people saw, oh no, this dude just was about to have his big moment. It got canceled. Now hear how, hear how like, oh, like the community really came towards me and really wanted to support me. So I did my first ever mural in somebody's home and that was really fun and impressive. And then I got stuff done when it comes to getting other mural stuff done. So I am going to be doing a piece down on Mill Street when the weather's warm again. And then I did another one at the cultural center. So I wouldn't have had these opportunities to do this stuff if it weren't for that original show being canceled. So yeah, when they, when they said, Hey, let's get you to do a mural in the ladies washroom that day, they said, Oh, by the way, we can reopen your show. Let's get it started next week. So on top of getting the mural done, doing other commissions on the side, and now I have to get all my art back again, get the show going. It was like two weeks of a, just a nightmare of just <laughs> micromanaging every little thing. So no. So this work is is showcasing stuff that I've already created, but actually it's featuring some pieces I did in between the one first one being canceled and then this new one. So it was hell, but I'm really proud of it. So the orchid, like how it's organized is I have my landscapes on the outside walls. So there's, there's a, there's like, like a moving wall piece in the center of the gallery that features all my abstract pieces of art that inspired the landscapes. Now, because I'm more known as a landscape artist, I really wanted to showcase the work that inspired that stuff. So it's a, yeah, it's just showing, hi, I'm Lucas. I do abstract art and I do landscape art and I mix the two sometimes. And that's what it is. There's no theme to it. It's just, here's everything I offer. And so actually on the first few days, what happened was I had people come in and go, oh, so who are all these artists? And I'm like, nah, man, this is all me. Because <laughs> I guess I'm so diverse in what I paint that it felt really nice. People were going like, ah, like who, who did all this? Wow. That's gotta yeah. be such a positive experience. It was so fun. It was just fun. <laughs> that's awesome because when you work hard at something and you're able to share that and then people are like, this must be multiple people. It's like, nah, it's all me. I've been working hard at this and I've been trying to put different ideas together. Yeah. What inspires the, the landscaping and. Well, so the landscape art started as how can I take what I've done with these abstracts and really push it? Because at this time that I was creating landscapes, I was studying a lot of art history. So a lot of learning about the impressionists and the post-impressionists, thinking, just learning about their, their color theory, their light theory, how they were, you know, interpreting the world around them. And I was just really inspired. But like, hey, you know what? If they can do it, why can't I? And so I took the styles that I've been creating over my abstracts and I just applied it simply. And because I've had already doing, done so much sketching, it was really easy for me to interpret trees and perspectives and stuff like that because I was already pretty natural at sketching freehand. So it just kind of came together naturally. But as of now, like I do love making landscapes, don't get me wrong, but it's what people love. And, you know, at the end of the day, we all got to make a living somehow. So 
the landscape still obviously they are still passion projects without a doubt but i'm doing perspectives that other people are inspired by and i'm taking their inspirations maybe going to the location or they send me a photo of what it is they want me to do and i just go from there so yeah um the landscapes started as passion and they still are but it's what i'm known for right now and so that's the way i'm commercially doing my work right now but man i would love to just dive back into my own abstract stuff sometimes because I, I don't want to complain. Like I've got a lot of great commissions on the go right now, but I haven't had a lot of time to do my own work, my own my own approaches, my own my own perspectives. And I think that that's an important balance because David has talked a lot about that of trying to balance copia line with his other with his personal stuff for sure. Exactly because part of it is expression for yourself and for your own soul totally. and your ability to put that out there. But you're also trying to balance that with what what the people <laughs> want and trying to keep that business side going. Exactly. And so can you tell us a little bit about the landscapes that you've chosen to do or commissioned and what areas jump out at you or pull towards you? Well, I've been doing a lot of our forests. People, you know, people go up on Teapot Trail, they go all around this area and they just love our evergreen forests. So that's what I am most busy with. Like the one that I'm working on right now is actually like an evergreen forest abstract piece. But I mean, I love it too. I mean, one of my favorite things to do in my own art is studying trees and going, you know, like you don't have to look at a tree and get every single branch correctly because art is random. So is nature. So forests are the most abstract forms of, you know, expression in the natural world. So it, it excites me as much as anybody else. Yeah, but that's what I do. Yeah, I really appreciated that when you were on the AC podcast. I appreciated the discussion of how trees can like just jump out at you as like I need to go climb them yeah. and I need to interact with this world. And when you go up elk yeah. or when you see those things, it's just when you just stare into a deep forest, you're like, wow, this is this is different than what I'm used to. When you're walking down the street, yeah, everything's I don't know. I get I get it. People like having nice controlled little neighborhoods and stuff, but it's kind of creepy seeing all these new developments popping up in Chilliwack that are all just the same building, same apartments, same, same houses. And it's like, no, people go step out into nature, go see what's random and what's beautiful about that. And so, yeah, I completely agree. And I think that that is our disconnect. And I just talked about this with the last podcast. We're disconnecting ourselves from that reality that we're super small, that we're just, <laughs> we're insignificant. Yeah, yeah. And there's, when you go into a forest, all those trees are going to be there for another 300 years. And long before you're gone, long after you're gone. Exactly. Yeah. And you have to grapple with that. But if you live in a city and you never leave that little community, you start to forget that True. you're finite, but the rest of the world is not. But I feel like people who move to Chilliwack are like, like love nature because you look at what's all around us and just what we have to offer for nature it's hard to not get lost in our trails and our forests exactly right? and i think that we have a lot of good people like yourself and like people who post on living in chilliwack who share videos and portraits and photos that they see in our community mm -hmm. and it gets like a thousand likes and it just gets this phenomenal response yeah. that brings people together. Yeah. So can we move a little bit into wh where you started and how this all came about? Because from my understanding, you weren't always an artist and this is something that you've, you've kind of moved into yeah. and now you're comfortable within the space. So can you tell us about how this has all come about? Yeah, well, so hmm, when it came to... What are your hobbies? What are your passions as a kid? It really, there wasn't a whole lot going on. So when I was going into high school, theater really became 
a safe place to really be myself and learn how to be in public, you know, how to be a performer, how to think creatively. So at that point, art really wasn't like physical painting was not even a thing in my head. It was more just a, yeah, I like drawing on the side, whatnot. But um, where did it start? Just, uh, yeah. So theater started with me as like the thing that I want to pursue. I go into university. I'm like, let's be an actor. Why not? Like at this point, before I went to university, I was actually doing background work in the acting, you know, field of film and TV here in the community. And so I went, you know what? Like, I want to go hone these skills. Let's go to university and become a better actor. But, uh, you know, you get there in the class example of going to school where you go in thinking you're doing one thing, leave doing another thing. That's what happened for me. So halfway through my degree, I started falling out of love with theater for no other reason besides it's just not where my creative journey ends. And I don't know, some of the things they do to teach kids acting at this program that I went to, it was just like, <laughs> they didn't really teach you. It was more, you had to be good already to get accepted into their acting program. So if you weren't a good actor, then you're not going to get into the acting program. So that's kind of, that kind of sucks when you think you're like, I'm here to learn, not here to prove that I've already learned something. So that already real is really disheartening for me. So I just kind of passively started doing theater. Like I still finished and got a theater degree, but I started going like, what other things could I be doing with myself? So yeah, like what happened was halfway through that identity crisis, what is life? What is going on with myself? I'm at home for the winter holiday break and I decided to distract myself by getting felt brushes and a book just to draw and just kill time while I'm at home. So just came one day where I was in a really low headspace. I was feeling pretty depressed at this point. And I just went, what the fuck is life? Took myself for a walk. And so I'm <laughs> sitting at one of the benches at the lake, at Cultus Lake. Time slows down and I notice a branch right in front of me. It's frackling within all the light reflecting on it. And I was just so taken by how crazy that looks. Like, sure, it's a stick. So what? But it was shining in this beautiful morning light. And I just thought that was, it was like a sculpture. It was gorgeous. And so I just took out, so I just was sitting there and I had this impulse within my head, just go open that book, start drawing right now. I don't No, You're not going to argue this. Just get going at it. <laughs> and so I open it up and I'm just use every other, every color I have in this palette of brushes. And I just create this fun little branch and some like I got this adrenaline rush in me like holy shit this was that really unlocked something in you like you've always had these these creative things going on in your head when it came to theater and doing all the sketch work and animation when you were in high school do something with it go 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 and so there was literally a period where it was like months of just sketching like we already talked about just excited by that creative adrenaline rush wow and it just started from there and I just Told my and I wasn't comparing myself to other artists. I wasn't taking a lot of like how to draw, how to paint classes. Like in my first year of university, you kind of have to just to get all of your credits sorted out. But I never took it seriously, really. So I never even used what I learned from these classes to do what I was doing. It was literally just my own experimentation with color and depth. And I created my own form and style that started from just believing in 
myself, just going, I'm not going to compare myself to the next artist. Do your own thing because that's how you carve a niche for yourself. And now here I am. Well, I think that that's so important because I do, I think university is a valuable thing for people to pursue, but you're right. You can get in there and you can realize that what you're there for is not what you're meant to do, but that's okay as long as you start searching for what is. And I think university is a good place to go and try and sort those different ideas out. Because university isn't about studying something finite. It's like, it teaches you to be excited about learning something new because it's not like you're going to get out of school go into a field of work in something exactly what you studied. It proves, no, a degree proves that you have the ability to listen and follow direction and get and learn anything. So like, what? You go to a new job and they teach you. They teach you how to do the job. University trains you to learn quickly. So don't let, so if who's ever out there listening right now, following a degree that you're not feeling very passionate about, just go, no, take, embrace the study. When you get out of there, you take those skills you learned at studying, you can apply it to literally any job. I completely, and you got this. I completely agree. And I think that you're a good example of that because we can get caught up in this idea that we're supposed to go become the actor and we're supposed to fulfill that definition of what we said we were going to do. Because <laughs> like what happens, like you go to school in your early 20s, your early 20s is a, well, not everybody, but most people go to school after they graduate high school. And there's, you know how much growing somebody does mentally between the ages of 18 and 25? You become a whole different person by the time you're in your early 20s than you were in your late your late teens. So it's, it, it, of course, you're going to might, there's, of course, there's a chance that you're going to come out of it thinking differently than you did going into it. So if you're feeling like you are doing, oh man, I'm doing something wrong here. Why am I just like, just that's right. You're supposed to be feeling that way. You're learning, you're growing. That's the whole point. And you're just getting the chance to learn in a very specific thing, but then let that passion for change drive you into the next thing. Yeah. That's what I did for myself and forever for anyone listening right now, whether you're going through that same thing, follow that passion, follow that gut. Cause that gut's going to take you to a really great place. Absolutely. And that's money well spent. If you go into university and you're like, I'm going to go become a police officer and then you go become something completely yeah. different. It's money well spent because you grew as a consequence of attending and taking the risk on precisely, yourself. precisely. And so I'm, I'm so curious as to how that you start painting and you start, or sorry, sketching and start playing with these things. What was that like to kind of taste it and kind of go, wow, this is something that I'm going in this whole new path. It felt like I was the, it's going to sound cheesy. I bet there's some sort of myth, like men, like mental, like theory with this, but like, I pretended like I was in like my own movie, like being, having that, that, having that moment where everything crash and burns, you're at the lowest of your lows and then you get back up and you stand up and you get going again. That's what it felt like. So it felt like I was living in this moment where like, this isn't who I am. I got to get out of here. I got to escape. And drawing was my escapism. And like, I still love theater. Don't get me wrong. I still studied it with a passion. And I actually came out of it really having a lot of fun with like um, theater education. And so I took a lot of applied theater courses in my final years, which is applied theater is basically educational theater. You're using narratives to teach a group on whether it be something social, something personal, and just teaching growth and just kind of even being in those classes, learning about what it takes to teach someone something kind of taught me something about myself when it came to changing things about me. Right. Cause, yeah. 
you seem to have like you're very well you're a very strong communicator and thank you i didn't think i was for a long time so i appreciate that well and i i'm curious as to what you got out of all of that education in regards to theater because that's where i feel like you're very good with your communication skills and so i'm just curious as if hmm. did that play a role for you well the well you know hmm well cuz theater it play it trains the mind it trains the body so you have to really be attentioning yourself at all times to be a new character you're asking characters what are their motivations what are their intentions where why are they saying what they're saying well that same theory is what we also begin to ask our own selves who are we what's our motivation what's our drive and so just i really appreciated that it really for those who don't really have a lot of personal identity acting em embraces what you don't know and teaches you to just give in to the emotion sometimes in a productive way of course and that really does help awaken a lot of personality in a lot of people so i really honor that by just taking that and engrandizing into my artistic theory like i was <laughs> oh what did he say to me i had an acting teacher that really set me off he said be more authentic like when he was like we were taking a a course in acting for non-majors and he said i don't think you're being authentic enough i want you to be more authentic within the self to act and i that pissed me off so much that i went home and i did my first painting on paper with black brushes maybe someone who's looking at my instagram right now it's like it's like this hunched over swirly black mess actually my friend ended up buying it but like it's called be more authentic and it was when i embraced the brush to instead of i i moved away from the sketchbook and i went to paper with paint and i actually thank that acting coach for pushing me to be more authentic cuz here i am being more authentic what was what was that whole process like what were what did you take that as take that statement as what what did oh, you well, think uh, of i mean of course with acting and next you don't take it personal because he's not telling me hey you suck get better as like being who i am he's telling me no be more authentic in the character that i'm playing but i was in a really sensitive headspace that day. I took that personally and I and I was like he telling me to be more authentic with myself. Fuck that guy. I'm going to move from sketching to painting. Fuck you. And but hey, you know, I love the dude at the same time. Thank you for pushing me without you even really knowing you were pushing me. <laughs> wow, that is so awesome because I feel like that's so important for people to be able to develop and grow and and hone in on a skill and then up try and apply it in different ways and that's where I feel like there might be a part of you that grew in those experiences totally because you took on this opportunity and you saw it as an opportunity but a lot of people shy away when the spotlight comes to them mm -hmm. they have an opportunity to be in an art exhibit and they just they freeze and they back out that's why i think people should be you know people should try theater at least at least once in their life because it really teaches you to be confident within the moment with yourself to be irreverent to really just let go of your own restrictions and just be in the moment. So yeah, to any one of those who are kind of thinking, hey, who am I, what not, try some theater, get out there, maybe study a monologue, put a camera in front of yourself, be that character, 
you learn something about yourself every time. Absolutely. And figure out what your why is, because I think that that yeah. is something that a lot of people miss out on because we get so much direction from our culture <laughs> on you should go to a university. You need to get a good job. You need to get a get a paycheck. You need to get an RRSP. You need to they don't teach you how to be a person. They teach you how to be a slave. <laughs> yes. To other things and yeah. not to figure out what motivates you and what gets you passionate about something. Totally. And the passion you have for art, it comes across like it's not something where you're like, well, yes. And then I took the paintbrush and then I did this. It's it's energetic and it's it brings something else to the art itself. So yeah. can, can you tell us about what it's like to go and try and paint something, to go and see something and try and take it apart? Because mm. I, I don't think that I can get into that mindset. I can only see it through your lens of looking at it. And David did the same thing when he starts describing, I see this and I'm looking at the texture of this. I don't see things in that lens. So it really is interesting to get an artist's perspective. Okay. I'm not sure if you can see it off to the side of me. Okay. Actually, no, it's not this bad example. Is, is, is there a camera on you? Yes. Okay. So I want you to look at your styrofoam right now. Okay. Okay. And you see the sparkles in it, right? Yes. What do you think those sparkles are? I have, I have no idea. It's light. It's light bouncing off of little irregularities within the surface. Anything on a surface, it's being played with by light. And that's what the impressionists were studying, the study of light. How does it hit a surface and create something unique? So a texture is simply light playing with the surface. So, you know, a tree or let's see, you got any tree? I don't think I have any tree. Okay, no. So the grain here, okay? okay. Um, no one, No one can see this, but, you know, he's got a bench here. He's got a little surface here with some wood. It's a wood, it's a wood stool here sort of thing. Um, actually, no, you know what? Screw it. That's a bad example. Here we go. This is better. So all these lines are grooves within the tree that are kind of bending into it, creating little bits of shadow, right? Creating these, creating this texture. But, uh, so like for me, that, that's so weird. That sounds so weird. Okay. That's not really going to make a lot of sense for anybody who's listening right now. Okay. So, okay. Let's try to create a visual image for the listener. You're looking at a tree, okay? An old growth birch tree or something like that. That trunk is, it's, it's, its bark is irregular. It's got the grooves and the bumps all within it. Those texture, the texture you see on it is created when little bits of light are hitting and are casting little shadows within that surface, creating just fun texture work. So that's what I play with. I play with engrandizing on that approach to color. How do I bring out the most in that bark? I know that. No, no, it does make sense. And I think is that, that making that, sense. Okay. It does. It does make sense because it's, it's so just, hard to explain. <laughs> it's hard to explain, but it's also not a lens that most people see things through. So it can feel weird to explain it, but it is enlightening to see what you see in something. Because if you asked what I saw when I went on El like up Elk Mountain, I'd be like, I saw some trees. And that is the level of analysis that I offer. I want next time you're hiking, I want you to get as close to you can to a trunk. You're going to look goofy. But who the fuck cares? You're in a forest appreciating it. Get up close and really just appreciate the weathering on the on, on the trunk. The textures that are being created by the wind and rain constantly smashing at this thing over over decades, over hundreds of years. And you really begin to appreciate that stuff. And that's what the work became for me. When I was in when I was in Victoria, I'd go on these really nice long walks. And 
I would be inspired by the texture I find in rocks, the texture I find in branches and trunks of all the trees, because they have Gary Oak trees in in Victoria that are just on every street and <laughs> Just the way the bra- the branches would twist with each other above the sidewalks and whatnot, it's hard not to get distracted by it. So my texture work where I do a bunch of fragmented brush strokes, I'm not sure if you've seen any of my work, but like all these fragmented brush strokes are inspired by the looseness of those textures found in all of those surfaces. Yeah. Wow. That is see, that's where it gets so deep though. And like being a law student, I get used to the legal perspective on things and viewing things through like, why is that guy standing on that dude's property for too long looking at a tree? You should probably move on. But I think, you know, I think it's just (laughs) important to be able to play with different ideas. And that's why it's so great to have artists on like yourself, because you offer a different perspective from what everybody is kind of used to. I think when you're watching Netflix or you're watching YouTube, you're getting a pre-decided idea on how things should be because everything's kind of set up in the scene and they're not getting you to focus on one thing and go out into the world and start hunting for uniqueness in the world because everything moves so fast now we got youtube videos where it's like three minutes of your attention move 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 on moving on to the next thing you know it's this with how much is being thrown at us we're forgetting what it takes to appreciate the slow time the slow bits of the moment so it becomes awkward to look at look at a tree for 40 seconds. People think that's a little too much time even because of people sitting just on YouTube and just being fed stuff that has already been experimented with. And you're seeing the final product. You're not seeing the hours of editing, the hours of getting perspective or getting concept art ready to go with, with whatever it might be. So yeah, I, I, I agree to that. I agree that people just need to take a little more time, slow down. And just appreciate the world around you. What are the benefits you've seen from that? Because obviously, if you go out and you're looking at trees and you're interacting and you're trying to figure out what you want to move forward with or what's jumping out at you, what what does that bring to you? What mm. benefits do you experience? Because it sounds like meditation. I was literally just going to say it feels like a form of meditation and just going like we're all connected. The whole world around us is connected and take time to appreciate what is essentially a part of your existence as well. And People forget to do that. People think it's lame. People think it's silly to just stop in the moment. But no, do it, please, because that's how you form an appreciation for the world around you. And like art really brought me out of a dark spot in my life. Just being depressed, an early 20s kid, figuring out what the hell is life. Art became a form of meditation and excitement for the next day. Like, what am I going to discover on my next walk? How am I going to surprise myself in my next piece of art? Instead of worrying about the next assignment or the next expectation in my life, thinking on focusing on something so minimal in the grand scheme of things, but really lines up to being the, one of the most important parts of your day and your life. So take time, whether find any form of meditation, and that really does help essentialize what you need to get done. And how to take care of yourself. Because like acting, it's focusing on the self. Meditation is focusing on the self. Where am I feeling that that achiness in my shoulders? Where am I feeling tense? Relax that. That's what art is for me. Where am I feeling tense in my head? How can I relax that through painting, through art? So, I mean, art doesn't have to always be good. Just get out something. Just use, use creativity as an impulse to just relax yourself. 
into anything. And right. yeah. Just express yourself. Just express yourself. Can you tell me about what was going on in your world? Because it does sound like you were carrying something during that time. And I think for other people, for listeners, I think it's important that we share just what that weight was like during that period of, you, of your life, because then it can help them have the motivation to realize you can be in a dark spot mm-hmm. and then you can end up having an art exhibit mm-hmm. and being able to share something completely different and be in a different spot in your life. Well, I simply wasn't taking the best care of myself, to put it quite bluntly. Um, I had always had a little bit of a weight issue, always thinking I'm too fat. I mean, that comes from being bullied as a kid for being the fat kid in school. That really sat with me for a long time. And so I went through a period where Oh, this is going to be on the open. All right. I don't care. This is what it's all about, right? Yeah, absolutely. I went through an eating disorder. I got really skinny, really fast. I, over a summer, I was doing landscape and gardening gig, very physically demanding work leading up to this painting revolution for me. And I got really skinny and I really like that. As soon as that job's over, you go back to school. Suddenly you're sitting all the time again. You gain the weight back. And I said, how can I counter that? So I just simply started cutting out. I mean, I to be fair, I did cut out bad things. I cut out the sugar. I cut up. I cut out pop and pizza and chocolate and all that stuff. And I started eating just really like lean stuff, like unseasoned chicken with rice and veggies. Getting back to the basics. Like in a sense, I was in the beginning eating healthfully, but then I got addicted to losing that weight. So I got. I started cutting less and less out of my diet. I ended up getting quite skinny. I was like 140 pounds for somebody who should be 170. That just doesn't feel good. And that when you are depriving your brain of those nutrients, it really destroys your mental health, really makes you really puts you into a really depressed state. So it was like all this bullying finally led up to me just losing too much weight. And then I had to gain the weight back. But I gained the weight back in a good way because I found art at this point and just caused me to be really pleasured. I was really excited about sitting and painting and nothing beats sitting with a sitting with a nice meal and painting. So I gained the weight back well because of art. So yeah, I, uh, if you're struggling with that right now, people just, you know, weight fluctuates over your whole life and you just got to embrace that it flows weight flows much like your mental health you'll have good days and bad days you'll have skinny and fat days but who cares that health healthy weight is a construct of society so don't let it push you it pushed me but i mean use that depression to fuel the next good day use that because like i don't know when i was going through a depression i had all this anxiety in me going just do something, get out there. Why are you sitting on the couch all day? Like we all have those, those bits of us eating away at each other when we're doing something, when we're not doing something we should be doing. But that one day you just decide to go, fuck you brain. Let's just fucking do it. Even if it makes us uncomfortable. Cause the biggest thing I learned was get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That is how you get yourself out of those bad head spaces. Absolutely. And I went through a very, very similar thing. I was working at Dairy Queen. Um, my nickname at work was Chubby Chicken Man because one of my my coworkers thought, I think he saw me with like a chicken sandwich or something and decided that would be a good nickname. And that ate away at me. And I would show up to Dairy Queen and before work, and this is going to get personal, I would try and tape my stomach up so that it wouldn't show the weight because it's anything 
just to try and fit in, just to have those comments not made anymore. And that that same person who made that nickname ended up taking me to the gym, showing me how to work out, how to exercise and how to lose the weight in a healthy way. And now he's one of my closest friends. But it was a very dark time when I was working at Dairy Queen because everything it felt like everything had to do with my weight. I would get a photo taken at UFE for my card. And I would look at the photo and go, is this me? Like, this can't be me. And it's just that, like, I want to throw this card in the garbage now. I don't want mirrors. And that heartache of just wanting to fit in and to be liked and for people to be able to look beyond that and know that that was something that for most people, they just weren't able to do. And it, it killed every time something would come up where like, oh, we're all going to Cultus Lake. And it's like, I'm just, I have stuff to do, so I can't today. Yeah. And those feelings of not wanting to be in those circumstances and being ashamed and spending your time being like, well, now I'm just at home, yeah. hanging out, not doing anything and feeling bad about myself. And those things really eat away at your sense of self. And yeah. once once I started working out, I would do like, I would do, um teapot i would run the vetter and then i would Same go to here, mount, man. mount tom and i would just try and work out all day long every single day which is dangerous yep because you can push yourself too hard and then your body just hates you for it and now i have that messed up mindset where if it's minus seven i kind of want to go for a run because i still have that hatred of myself that wants to punish myself that enjoys when i'm running and it's just uncomfortable or it's too hot i've run in yeah. like 45 degree weather Same. because i just like to feel that feel that burn and hey that, there ain't nothing wrong with that it's called living i mean that there, 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 there's always a healthy balance right like you can do the healthy to enjoy the unhealthy right yeah so that's how i do it too like i you know, when I gained the weight back healthfully, I was going on really long walks at this point when, like I said, these art walks that I would go on would often go for four to five hours all throughout Victoria. I would start, I would, I would start at my place right by Craig Derrick Castle, go all the way to downtown, walk all downtown, go all the way down to Clover Point along the water, walk all the way along the water, all the way to you, Vic, and all the way back. This would be huge walks. And I was losing weight naturally, like walk, walk. Okay. Walking helped so much during my depression. If you are somebody right now going through a depression, go for at least half an hour walk every single day. Trust me. I know it's a cliche. People say get out more. There's a reason people say it. It's true. You got to get out a little bit each day and it just helps exercise the brain and the body. And then I, then I started just going on for these crazy walks, getting excited about the next piece of art. What would I find on this massive walk? So seriously, like, I know it feels good to stay cozy and comfortable in home and be stuck as you should be right now. Like do everything you need to, but get out at least a little bit a day. I try to, it helps me. Now I have an art gallery exhibit. So if you want your own art gallery exhibit, go for walks, people. That's awesome. And I remember for myself, just I went into the exercise thing, but then it became about how to eat healthy and how to look at optimum health and how to approach things in a better way. Yeah. And now I do things that I never thought I would do. I use tools to try and optimize my, my brain so that when we're interviewing, when I'm sitting down with people, I'm in the correct headspace <laughs> and trying to make sure all of those things are correct and done properly getting a good night's sleep yeah. and then it motivates you and i don't know what art has been like for you but for the podcast i feel like i have such a responsibility to do this properly that it forces me to take care of myself mm. so i can't get out of like ah, oh, like i won't i won't take my magnesium or i won't take care of like this <laughs> issue or make sure i have my vitamin d i just because we can get hard on ourselves what is that like for you well <laughs> it's funny because 
art doesn't have an expectation as to whether it's good or not. It's all based on how you feel about it. So the, the, <laughs> it's one of those things that just doesn't, it, you could work on a painting all day and it might not be good, or you can work on a piece for 20 minutes and then it becomes really good. Like it depends on how you're feeling that day. So it's one of those odd forms of work that doesn't need to be done well because an artist doesn't see the mad, like, sorry, a magician doesn't see the magic, right? They know how to do it properly. And that's kind of how it is for art. Like I don't see the end result. I just love the moments within it. So it's kind of funny that my job that I have for myself doesn't have a set. It doesn't have rules. So it's like, I don't wake up with that. Like you would with any other job. I don't have, I don't have to go to work and get a certain thing done in order to please a boss. It's like, I am my own boss. I can go, do I feel like throwing all my effort into one specific part of the painting? Or do I want to get the labor of filling everything in right away? Like it depends on how I'm feeling that day. So I, I have this ability to just not have any expectations for how the day is going to go with the work. And that really lets, I really have a peaceful way of life now because of it, because I'm constantly attentioning the self and throwing that attentioning of the self into my art. And so it's, it's just a fun, lucid life that I live. That's awesome. How do you get into the zone? and get into that that groove of mm. artwork and what does that look like if you're doing a live art exhibit what is what does that look like well so luckily i have a theater background so it makes doing that stuff pretty straightforward for me like being in, being pressured in front of people but no i usually plan i try to plan out a painting like i have i have a little sketchbook that just basically i just take a black felt like sharpie and I just basically do a basic composition, a really lucid sketch of what I want it to be. And then I throw it to the canvas. But, you know, a lot of my art is inspired by photographs that people have either taken or I've taken. And then I just, I use a basic sketch of the piece as the building blocks for how it's going to turn out. So I throw out the tree, I throw out the mountains, get the composition and the perspectives all correct. I have a day of labor where I'm filling in all the structures with the most basic colors and then the next few days are just throwing fun color and texture into all of it until it's a well-balanced piece. So I'll really bring in vivid color to start and then I hone it back with my black and white aesthetic or more earthy tones to really pull it back. So there's like little bits and jumping out bits of color and light pits and then there's really darker tones. But uh, sorry, can you repeat the question one more time? I'm just curious, how do you get into the zone? Because I did hear in the AC sh podcast, um, you talked about high, high... The lo-fi. Lo-fi. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the, when the music, look, the music doesn't start the painting. I start the painting with my own impulse and getting ready to go at it. But when it comes to the labor of the work and just having fun with the texture, music really helps with that. So I throw in, yeah, like some lo-fi. Uh, I throw in my go-to playlists and then I just kind of get at it. Uh, I just, I, I get, ex I get as excited about the piece as the person is or that, or who's ever asking of it. And I just kind of have fun with it simple as that that's so cool because i think that for like when i went and looked up that lo-fi music to figure out what you guys were talking about and actually enjoy it and i was glad that he also brought it up and played it on his podcast it was really cool when he did that i thought it was dope yeah and because 
it is something I had never heard of. But when I heard it, I was like, this would be good for a walk. This would be good for trying to get into the zone yeah. because it's quieter. It's easy to, to have in the background. And it's, it's not, not too not- intense. It's not, and you're not listening to words or lyrics, not listening to somebody else's problems while you do your own problems. It's just creates that backdrop music, that background noise as you just focus on whatever it is you're doing. Like it was honestly a great, it was also great for studying, great for listening or reading a book. And even if I'm just working on an essay or something, it was great for just having the background because I don't know, I started with lo-fi when it came to making my art, but into my last few years, I would use the same music as my go-to impulse for a lot of the papers that I would have to write. So everything, I mean, you know, when I was taking theater courses and art history courses, a lot of the work was talking about art, talking about the self and creativity. So I was using those same feelings from the music and just incorporating into words from these essays. So yeah, that's so cool. Lo-fi did, is fun for productivity. How did you find it? Uh, how did it? Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about it. So I used to smoke quite a bit of weed. Okay. Okay. And uh, there was this this genre of YouTube videos called Vaporwave that I would watch. And Vaporwave is like this hyper-nostalgic aesthetic where like it'll be like this purple-blue filter thrown on like an episode of The Simpsons, kind of like almost looking like it's on like an old TV, but then it would get all trippy with effects and black and white dots and wavy effects. And then this music, this kind of st- like radio static lo-fi aesthetic would really settle in. So there'd be nights where I'm sitting with my roommate, we're taking a few bong rips and we're just listening to this static noise and having these videos play. And it was just really zen, really, really peaceful. And I mean, then I kind of did stop smoking, but I still carried on that music and that, how did it feel to just be fully relaxed with your body and just being distracted by something really cool? And it just kind of kept with me, stayed with me. That's so important that we find things that we can connect with and that yeah. bring us more present to the time we're in because yeah. I'm a really big fan of like rap music, but it's not just any rap music. For me, it's all about that starting from nothing mm-hmm. and building yourself into something Totally, because that is where I feel like I am. When I was growing up, it was a, like a lot of no food in the fridge, a lot of struggle, a lot of feeling mm. like I didn't fit in going to school. Like um, I would go on ski trips and I would wear jeans because mm. we I didn't own ski pants. ski pants or ski outfit or right. ski goggles. And so in those moments, it would be like, wow, all these people have this really nice equipment and this kid's talking about how he just got this from sport check or wherever yeah. the place is. And I'd be like, well, this is what I can afford. So like I'm doing this. And it was a lot of guilt and a lot of shame of being who I was. And so now moving out of that life, being in law school, it feels surreal because all of these people it was always a part of their plan to go to law school and i'm sitting there being like this is crazy to be here and to have the opportunity to learn about taxes when a lot of my community doesn't know about most people don't know about taxes and i have the opportunity to learn Was that why you wanted to go to really yeah give yourself a different life like um a lot of it was like i was always always argumentative with teachers with anybody who told me they were in charge mm-hmm. because in my own life i was in charge and if i wanted to get fed it was me sorting it out and so i Got was it. my own boss and so when the teacher would be like oh you need to focus on this it'd be like i don't need to focus on what you're talking about and i was a very aggressive child growing up because I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do. And so as I moved forward, it was all of a sudden like, oh, are you going to go to university? And it was like, 
I guess that's the next step. And then I went, I did that and still felt like an outsider, mm-hmm. made some really good friends. And then after I was done, I looked at the people around me who were going to law school and their approach was so confident. So, oh, well, I got like a 172. And if I work on these LSAT questions and if I do this, it was like, okay, like you're obviously meant to go there and I'm not, I'm not smart enough. And then I started doing it privately, didn't tell anyone, would just go to Starbucks and start working on the questions. And I was like, you know what? I think I can do this. And I'd write the test and it would give me the results of somebody who could get in. And then it was like, okay, so I think I'm going to do this. But I've always tried to approach law school by telling people it is not as elegant as people make it out to be that lawyers are not different people they have a different way of viewing the world just like how you see a tree they have this perspective that's really useful in certain moments and people rely on us because we can see into things differently than others absolutely and that's what i think you hire people for you hire the artist because they see something in the tree my naked eye can't and you hire a lawyer to deal with your problem because they see things within the wording and within the documents that you can't see and so being able to be here has been such a wild experience because i'm starting to get that that acceptance from people that i didn't think would know who i am it's almost like you are an artist within the abstract of society yeah society is abstract and so is art but you have found a way to create a language within it much like a brush much like an artist finds style within their brush stroke to organize the chaos that's exactly what you are so if you feel like you don't know what it's like being an artist ask yourself what it's like to be a lawyer yeah (laughs) right so don't worry about it man exactly you got it and that's where i think that there's so much growth that's possible for people and why i want to talk about role models is because they're not they're not Hollywood professionals out somewhere else. They're right here and they figured something out and they're trying to share it with you. And that's what I think your art exhibit speaks to is sharing this, like the beauty in your story is that you weren't always doing this, that this wasn't always what your plan in life was. And then even close. (laughs) And I think people can wake up to the fact that if you're in a nine to five job, you absolutely hate that there are alternatives to how you can proceed that can bring meaning to your life. Exactly. But I mean, some people don't get the opportunity. Like I was very lucky that I had incredibly supportive parents that let me go to university, that let me pursue art. So a lot of people don't get that luxury to do that. But I just still think that art can be a part of your life, regardless of how you live your life, because it doesn't take much to pick up a pen and a brush and just do it. Absolutely. Can you tell us about what that was like to bring that to your family and friends and say, hey, you know what, this acting thing, moving away from that, but I'm going in this other direction because I think it's important that people know that you're going to, you're at points going to have detractors who yeah. say, you shouldn't, like when I started the podcast, I'm in law school. Most people were like, oh, probably finish your law degree, then maybe you should start it. And I was like, but I'm going to do it on weekends yeah. and I'm not going to take on more than I can handle. And so what was that like for you? Well, my mom, she owned an art gallery and my dad's a notary. So there's two completely different fields of life and fear in theory. So I got the practical, realistic approach from my dad, how to turn this into a business, how to think about it as a business, as an entrepreneur. And then I had my mom driving that passion for creativity because she also was, was an artist. She also paints here and there. So I had two really well-balanced looks at how I can take this life into a productive one. And I mean, you know, I like when I started getting in my opinion, good at what I do. My dad was also like, whoa, that's really good. Like, you should just keep doing it. Like, okay, you like, oh, you just sold a painting? That's great. Let's see if you can sell three the next month because he's all about how can I turn this into something productive and profitable 
And it definitely has become something quite profitable. And I thank it because he, I thank him for pushing me because he, my dad's such a great role model for just how to be a supportive father. Like he, he just really, he really understood, like he's, he's not an artist. He doesn't think that way, but knowing that I could think that way and it was a way that he couldn't approach it. He must, maybe it's, maybe he's impressed, but that I could do something that he couldn't. And so for, for me to, for him to see me do, do it and then do well at it, he probably was like, oh, he's living vicariously through my work. Maybe like, maybe I'm the artist he wishes he could have been if he spent more time with it. And then my mom, of course, she used to own an art gallery. She sees what it's like to be a serious professional artist. And even this, this ex, this exhibit, she helped organize it because she's so used to hanging work beside each other how to how does this work hang on this wall how did maybe we should try this color combination from this painting and beside this other one so i'm very lucky that my parents are as excited about it as, as i am that is awesome can you tell us more about what that was like to grow up with an artist did you always have that just as an an aspect of growing up or well so my mom had the art gallery when i was in was when i was in late middle school early high school so at this point wasn't really thinking about art but at that point i was starting to go whoa these artists are making quite a bit of money and they're sitting on these walls like whoa artists can be professional you can be a professional creative person what the fuck <laughs> and i just kind of was like okay that's cool maybe one day art's a thing who knows i had no idea at the point i just thought it was cool that people could how, how how can somebody do that? How can you make money at something so random, so abstract? You're just throwing color on a on a paper, on a piece of paper, and you're making money at it? That's crazy. And I just kind of went, okay, whatever. That's just not for me at the time, but go you go you. And then now here I am eating my own words. Like, yes, you can. If you just try hard enough, people love art. So just keep at it. And just share that with the world. Just share it with the world. Because it's not, at the end of the day, it's not about making money. It's about being excited by an approach, being abstract, because like the whole concept of, you know, how do you like, who am I? What am I here to do? What's my purpose? That's what you should be answering before you answer. How am I going to make money? Like, of course, you got to do one thing to support the other. Like I have a job on the outside, as you know, a copia line that helps support this job on the side. Absolutely. Well, let's start talking about that then as well. Yeah, Copia Line. That's a fun little project that we got going on here right now. I'm, I know you had David on, right? And yes. so that's his whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I got involved during the pandemic when it really started happening. I was working at a I was working at a place. I quit. I was going to work somewhere else, a startup here, another startup, and then the then the then <laughs> pandemic hit. I didn't even get one job. I didn't even get one shift. I was quit. I was fired because they just couldn't afford to have anybody on the, on the, on the team. And so I was kind of like in this mode where I was like, okay, I've got nothing going on. I have no job. I have Trudeau paying my bills because of the Serb. What's going on with my life? Help me. And so one of the um, owners of Copuline reached out to me, saw that I was doing art they were trying to expand their team and went, hey, we need an artist. Do you have any experience with digital art? I'm like, nope, not at all. They're like, great, we'll train you. And now I'm their digital vectorizer for their job. So David will sketch something out. He'll send me the sketch online and I vector the image and I clean up all the lines and I create, I help create the end result you see on paper. He sends me the colors that he wants. 
He sends me the, the, the images and I go in and I do all the mathematical lines, make it look all clean and whatnot. So, yeah. Can you tell us about Copioline and what, what, it's, what so, it offers? Copioline for me, what it does for me is it helps, ing- helps people draw who can't draw. It's educational tracing, right? Like you see an object, it's got a fade over it. Maybe you've seen Copeline, maybe you've even done some of it yourself. Yes, David brought over a book and we started practicing on it. Okay, so yeah, you can do the outlines. That's how you learn how to draw that, that rabbit or whatever, right? But my point of view is how can I take that and texturize it in my style that creates a piece that fits like it's within my style? Now, for me, Copeline, yeah, it teaches people how to draw. But if you're someone who's trying to figure out your niche in style and form and how you approach a structure, Copeline really helps you figure that out because you have a whole book that you could learn over the whole, doing the whole book. You could finally come out at the end with something that you can do on your own. So I go, maybe you start with a texture, playing with texture in the first few images, and then focus on one of those things you really liked and excited about your texture work and bring that into every other thing that you do in the book. So I see it as a way of facilitating style within new artists. And especially with that next generation of kids, you know, it doesn't even need to be kids. The next generation of artists could use our book to figure out what makes art fun for them. Wow, that is so important. What was it like when you first saw it and you were like, this is what we're doing, this is what we're working on? It gave, it fulfilled me. Because like, I want to be an art teacher one day. I want to be an art educator in like, not just how to draw a tree. That shit's boring for me personally. Like at some point, the academic approach to how to draw was at one point someone's experimentation, right? Somebody decided, how maybe I can do a few circles and lines to figure out the face. I want to help facilitate that own experiment, that that experimentation within the next generation of artists. So tell us more about that. Hmm. So I don't know. So when, sorry, well, not necessarily specifics, but like that idea of wanting to educate the next generation Copioline gives me a chance to see people learn and celebrate their own learning so I can teach through this product. And that's really fun for me. Like, and it's less about just doing something that, that pays the bills. It's more, hey, this is great. Like, this is a great opportunity for teach the next generation. I'm all for it. Let's get into it. Let's jump into it. Well, and that's why I'm there to help them. Well, and that's what this podcast is all about, is it's not just about finding a way for, for yourself to find success. It's about passing that forward yeah. and helping the next generation totally. move forward. And I think that with art, I think that what David had said before is we are in an artistic deficit where a lot of people, we make sure that they can read, we make sure that they know their mathematics, but we do not really worry about them understanding how to express themselves in a way, in a medium that works for them. And I don't think that we prioritize that. It's right. not seen as academic. Math is academic. Art is a side thing you do to kill time when you're in school. That's what it's seen as. So yeah, I think that it needs to be taken more seriously. It is as integral to the identity as learning how to read. It really is. You're training the brain to think creatively and abstract. How does a writer become a writer? They have to read, learn how to read. How does an artist become an artist? They have to learn how to do these things. And if you're taught it as a passive way to kill time in school, then how it how does that inspire anybody? So it frustrates me. I didn't take art courses in school, but I just hope that whatever's happening in the school system right now, that they're taking art a little more seriously, taking it as seriously as learning how to read. 
Yeah, and I agree with you, but I'm curious as to where it landed for you because you obviously saw like art classes and stuff, and that didn't jump out at you at the time. What? Where? I didn't take it. I I didn't take art courses at all in high school or in middle school. What was your reasoning? Like, do you remember any just not passionate? It was simply just I didn't see it as what I wanted to focus on at the time. I was a theater kid. I saw theater. I went to I went to GW Graham. GW Graham has, or I hope still has, a great theater program has a really professional theater set up and stage, proper lighting, good sound booth and whatnot. It gives you the professional experience when you're still amateur. And so I was just at that point, I was just more focused on theater than I was art. So it never crossed my mind to take an art class because I was already doing something creative and fulfilling at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm also curious because like artists and David also represented this and as do you is this ability to express yourself in a lot of different ways and I think that that is something that a lot of people miss out on and we a lot of people don't know how to express themselves in a meaningful way that actually says something by the end of it and I think that being able to look at things with different perspectives and see the beauty in things that everybody else misses is something that I think we need to talk about more because a lot of people are just looking at things. And when you say this is just a desk, most people would say, yeah, it's just a desk. There's nothing about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where we miss out on a lot of the depth in the world because so many things are infinite. You could draw the same tree all different times of day and it's going to look completely different. And I think that waking up to that and and being able to share that more and more with people is so important within Canada because Mm -hmm. I feel like... Right now, I feel like Chilliwack is going through like an art revolution. Where Hell yeah, it is. Where we're really waking up to it. And so what has that been like for you? Because I don't remember seeing all the murals. I don't remember seeing having it's, artistic moments. Dude, it feels so good because this city can offer, this city already offers so much. And Amber, who is in, who it's, the, she's in charge of the bookman. She's been a big part of making these murals happen downtown. And I've had the opportunity to work with her to do murals. And just seeing her drive for bringing color into the downtown district is such a inspiring thing to see. So to know that it's already happening with someone like her leading the charge, it feels so good to be a part of it now. And now I have my show where I'm showcasing more color into this community. And now I'm even going to be doing my own mural in downtown Chilliwack, bringing more color into the city. I am here as a permanent resident to bring more art into our cult, into our community. I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing in the next few years to help that happen, but you best be damn sure you're get used to my name. I'm going to be here making a name for myself here, making sure that this city has color, inspiring that next generation, being here for them. That's what I'm here to do. That's so important. Like that message, we don't hear, how often do you hear people talk like that and have that energy? Because they don't. That's why we need it. Yeah. And Amber is one of those people that has that voice already. And I'm here to help support that and give it my own to say as well. Wow. Where where did that start to come in where you were like, you know what, this isn't just, I'm not just doing this on the side. I'm not just doing this kind of, I want to share this and I want to change how our city approaches these topics. Because, well, before I moved back to Chilliwack, I was creating art and people were really liking what I do. And that was really inspiring. Like for my core group of friends back in Victoria, I think it was pretty nice to see, for them to see someone in their group really pushed themselves. And maybe that wasn't even inspiring for them. And now I have this chance. I've moved back to Chilliwack. How can I do that for the community? How can I give back with color? And 
you know, it's, I think the younger, the younger generations right now are looking into the self more than the previous ones. So a lot of them have a lot of mental health things that they're working through social and physical stuff. So many people are, these young kids are focused on the self so much and art is such a beautiful way to celebrate the self that I want that to be the next thing. Like these kids can be walking through downtown, see these murals and go, whoa, that's crazy. I want to do that. I can do that too. And just being there for those who are, who are like us, you know? Absolutely. What do you, how do you think social media plays a role in this? Because I do think that the depression <clears throat> rates are going up and anxiety and these struggles are going mm-hmm. up because we're constantly comparing ourselves. Totally. But for you and like for sharing art, I think that that is an important tool to try and pull young people away from the screens because everything about social media is designed for your eyes to to move towards. And that's it. what's fun about being an artist is because it can be on social media without being toxic. Yeah. Like it's just, hey guys, take a moment out of your day to look at a pretty painting on on Facebook or Instagram, yeah. and then go back to being and comparing yourself to all these other people. But you know, I of course we all went through those phases of comparing ourselves to people on the internet. But because art is such a personal ex- exploration, you you for, I forgot what it was like to compare myself to other people in that way because like I was doing something different, like my. Instagram and my Facebook aren't just selfies and vacation photos and stuff like that. It's now just art. <laughs> so I'm already different from everybody else on the platform because I'm not doing that stuff. I don't so then I have no reason to compare myself. So I turned my Instagram into a passion page. And if people are worried about comparing themselves, turn their turn your page into a passion page. Start doing the things that you love on those platforms. And then you begin to love yourself because if you're always on the social medias, constantly looking at things and looking at yourself, start looking at yourself in a positive matter. Maybe make a whole new Instagram devoted to your passion and just focus on that and let the personal be the side gig. Let the passion be the first thing, yourself the second thing. And that starts to help. Maybe it starts to help because that's what it helped me do that. It helped me become confident in myself because you have to start thinking you're doing things differently. You got to believe that you're doing it better too. Absolutely. And I did the same thing with the podcast. I was just talking with Kim Gemmel about this, that I originally would just take photos and I don't know what I was trying to tell the world about who I was during those periods where I'd take a selfie and be like, oh, like going to have my muffin or whatever I was talking about at the time. But then when I started the podcast, it's like, no, this isn't, I don't care about the personal page anymore. How do I get this message out there? Because it's so hard. People hear role models, people hear these terms, and it's hard for me to explain what the podcast is about because it's three hours and we go through everything, or at least I try to go through everything with the person so that a listener can go, I really feel like I understand where Lucas is coming from, what his mission is, Mm -hmm. where he's trying to take this, what his personality trait is all of that within one three-hour podcast it's like it's hard for me to explain that so it's constantly trying to approach it differently Mm -hmm. say different things and bring in more personal aspects Mm -hmm. so that people understand but then i stopped caring about how many likes i got because it's about the message and if it reaches one person that's better than reaching no one and it's not like you're in a newspaper and the newspaper article is done within a week this shit's always on the internet yeah be long but long after you're gone Think about how many people that's going to bring in over your lifetime. Same with art. Art is with me beyond my death. It'll always be something people can look at when I'm gone. It, the, the amount of viewers, our stuff, our mediums of art are going to take in over 
the next bits of history is crazy. We haven't even, we can't even conceptualize how much it might bring in. So we're lucky that we have a form of art that will always be around. We're on the internet. That shit's always on the internet. That was one thing you said during the AC podcast that I just thought was brilliant because you're right. Van Gogh lives on in his artistic. He's expression. still alive. Yeah. We're still talking about him. Like he's still living with us. Yeah. What is that like for you? I won't even know how it feels. Maybe I'll be forgotten when I'm dead. We all do. There will be one day where someone says your name for the last time. And that's a scary thought. Yeah. That's why I do something with this that will always be. So it's a form of, you know, why are we here? What's going to happen when we die? And I think people ask that question because they're worried that they're not going to see how the world goes, but they forget that you still have an impact on others. Your, your kids will remember you. Your kids will then pass on to their neck. To, they will die and then their kids will remember them. The, your legacy is what lingers. And I have captured a way of doing it that shows my identity as a legacy. It's a, it's a, it's a lot, right? That's a really deep thing because I think with artists, what you paint, what you put on the page, if somebody buys that, they take it home, they're going to pass that on to their kids. It's going to be in their house for the good and the bad. They're going to pass on. They're going to inherit. They're going to give it. They're going to inherit. Someone's going to inherit it. Maybe like it's a weird thought. It's trippy <laughs> that I've essentially immortalized myself without sounding too egotistical it's it's true like now my art even exists on the internet long before i pass it'll still exist so it's a weird thought man it's and weird how do you approach that now because it all it seems pretty clear that you're approaching this with the belief that you want to pass these things on I, when i create art it's because it's such a moment thing i try not to think about how it finishes yeah. and like that's how people shouldn't even look at life you shouldn't look at life as how it's gonna end focus on what you're doing now that will make it fulfilling. Like when I, like I talk about how my, I look at art, like it's a painting. I look at it like how each day you add a new brushstroke, a new tree, a new whatnot. I'm not thinking about the next day. I'm not thinking about the next tree. I'm thinking about that tree in that moment. And at the end of it, I'll have the opportunity to look back on it, but I'm never, you shouldn't try to look forward too far because you're going to exhaust yourself with things you can't control. So that's what it is for me. Okay, well, and I'm curious as to what you want to do with, over the next couple of years with things like Copia Line, with things like this art exhibit. Do you have a direction in which you're really excited to go in over the next couple of years? Really pushing myself aesthetically and stylistically, doing larger canvases. Um, maybe because I think my, my, my texture really translates well to murals. I'd love to keep doing more murals. That shit's so much fun. And because I'm, I feel like I really do a good job at capturing our nature in BC. I'd love to maybe tour through the province, looking at different provincial parks and doing art for the park boards or for community groups within those parks and just being a part of celebrating the nature that won't always be here. Like, you know, how many trees are getting cut down all the time to build new subdivisions? Because like, you know, BC is going to be a place for climate immigrants. When the world around us is losing their natural world, things are getting too hot. BC is going to be one of the most temperate places to be as shit gets crazy around the world. So we're going to about to see so many people come into our communities and our communities are going to get larger. Good. But the natural order, like the trees and the forests will slowly inevitably get smaller and smaller. 
So I want to do my part in showing what we have now so that people in the future can appreciate what we had and maybe inspire them to preserve what they have, preserve the forests and the parks, keep it feeling surreal. I want to be a part of doing, I don't know, I capture beautiful forests and I want people to preserve these beautiful forests so I can continue painting them so future generations of artists can continue painting them. So if you're asking me what I want to do, maybe it's down that road. Here's the thing. I just started this career. I have no idea where I'm going to be in the next five years of this because I didn't think from five years ago I was going to be on a podcast talking about my story already. My story's just fucking begun, my friend. I'm just I'm just getting started. That's fair. And that just reminds me how you said that about the trees just reminds me of Ten Tree trying to give back and make sure that those trees are replanted yeah. and brought back because it is about making sure that that is available for the next generation. Can you tell us a little bit about the murals that you've or the mural you created? So I have done a forest mural in someone's living room. <laughs> someone took the chance on me let me do that and i've created a little forest landscape in their living room they don't have a tv there they have my forest with their fireplace so it's like a little campfire within the forest and that was a lot of fun uh i did a mural for the chilliwack cultural center women's bathroom so unfortunately only a certain percentage of the population gets to see it but still it's kind of fun having a mural in there because you know when you go to the cultural center that's where you know it's a big place for exposure to the arts and what room do people interact with the most when they go to this building? They go to the bathroom. So that means my art is the most on display at the, sh at the, at the cultural center. So I love that stuff. That's wild because you think about it and that's going to be there even when the art exhibit is exactly. over. Exactly. For beyond, for decades. What was it like to get that opportunity, both of them, to have somebody call you, to call you up and say, I want you to come into my house and I want you to do this on my wall? I was like, it's about damn time. I know, I know, I know what I'm doing is good. Because I, listen, man, I, I might sound cocky, but you kind of have to be in this field of work because it's such a, it's such a focused, it's such a personal thing that you're doing. You have to believe in yourself, which means I have to be confident in my work. Yeah. So I know I can tackle a landscape on a, on a wall that's crazy big. That's bigger than this room combined with all the walls. Yeah. And then to go to an entire stretch, like, I'm not sure if you've been to the cultural center, but their bathrooms have these huge walls, huge, long, horizontal walls that was challenging but i did it because i knew i could do it so and then this next one i'm doing is on mill street one of our more popular hubs in the city before that new development happens downtown i know it's already happened but i'm right i'm right by the harvest cafe so it's a pretty popular spot in the city and so i'm going to be doing a really fun evening forest piece that i've i've submitted my concept art to the chilliwack board and i hope hopefully that gets good it but like Amber is the one who helped me do that stuff. She's the one who put in my, she's like, I believe in this kid, put up, put up, put some concepts together and I'll approach the Chilliwack board and see if we can get it. So I, hopefully that gets approved and it feels good, man. It feels like I'm, I'm, I feel honored that I've worked hard at something that people can appreciate, not only on little pieces of their wall, but like as something that's a part of the city. Yeah. Like, it's not like, I'm being, I'm painting onto something you can take it off easily. No, I'm going onto a wall outside, which means it's always going to be there until the buildings, either the owner decides to paint over it or they break the building down. Yeah. So it's going to have a big legacy.
that's that's got to be so much excitement to be able to start to share that with the world and know that people are going to walk past this and be able to consume that culture and be reminded of the trees again be reminded of what the city offers yeah what is it like to work within that community to work with amber to work with david to have this small community of people who are on the same wavelength as you in terms of building a better community feels like i'm not alone in that same voice of what this of what this community needs yeah so, you know, we're, st- I mean, I can't speak on how many of us there are out there. Like I said, I just got started. I'm only making these connections now for the first time. I have no idea how many other artists are out there in this community, yeah. but I'm f- so fucking excited to learn about them and work with them. So let's create our own little team of badass artists in this community who just want to make it happen. That's awesome. That's what I'm here to do. What other things do you use to try and like re- revitalize yourself? Because it sounds like art is a good way of, of, like medicating yourself and taking care of yourself. But what other things do you try and do to balance all of that out? Well, I exercise. Yeah. I eat well. I go, I I love hiking. I love running. I love long walks along the beach. (laughs) No, I I love, I love staying fit. I like, you know, to, to do something that requires so much of the mental health, you got to be as equivalent to the physical health. Yeah. Cause like, you got to take care of that bike. You know, like I kind of see my mind as say it's a bike you take to work every day. You're going to use that bike every day. You got to rely on it. You got to make sure at the end of the day that those chains are well repaired, lubed up and taken care of. And, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to take care of what gets you somewhere. And that brain is what, in the brain is what gets me somewhere. So I got to focus on the things that help that. So I got to focus on the health, focus on the self and eat well. So yeah, I actually, yeah, I run like you do. I used to run up the teapot trail and up and down that run up elk and all that stuff, but I'm not doing as much of that right now. I'm kind of more focused on, you know, I think what we're all doing right now is focusing more on the self during this COVID time. And that's what I'm doing right now. And I, I mean, I'm a huge swimmer. I was a huge, I had competitive swimming my whole, my whole youth. I was a part of the Spartan swim club here in Chilliwack. So I learned discipline really early on in life and how to work hard at something really hard too. So before the pandemic hit and you could just go to the pool i was there every morning doing five kilometers in the pool every day or taking every other day but now because pools are so stupid you have to like book ahead of time for like a certain amount of time you can't go in the hot tub you can't go in the saunas you just have to get in and go wear a mask it's kind of taking the fun out of going to the pool so i'm kind of not doing that right now but as soon as things open up again i'm gonna go be back in that doing that hard so i know i'm i know i'm definitely not at my physical prime right now like i was before the pandemic but i'll get back to it yeah so i'm not letting my my physical self be too worried like we're all going through shit right now we're all going through a little bit of trauma in this uh pandemic some people have lost family i'm lucky to say that i haven't had that so it's i'm just focused on taking care of the self more yeah. and the art happens second i come first the art comes second that's an important differentiation because a lot of people can allow their passions to consume them. Exactly. And try and think that that is who they are now. And I've seen a lot of people start businesses and get hungry about it and start saying that, yeah, I want to carry this business where it goes. And it's like, but if you're dying because you've been killing yourself over it, there's not going to be a business left to run. That's why, that's why there's the whole stereotype of the starving artist because so these artists get so consumed in being different and better than everybody else that they forget to take care of themselves so, you know, sometimes it'll take having two side jobs on the side to pay the bills while you pursue this in your own time. I'm lucky that I have this chance to do it and it helps pay the bills, but some people don't get that. So you got to focus on the self 
focus on getting those two jobs that help pay it off so you can do the thing that you love doing. Yeah. And then eventually, hopefully it pays off for you. Yeah. Where are some of the places that you enjoy going? Because to me, like like, businesses here? No, like places to visit, like for scenery, for views, because Mm. I think it'd be interesting to get your perspective on like you were in Victoria, you're interested in going to different parks. And I'm just curious because for people who are interested in going out in the world and saying like, you know what, today's the day I'm going to go for a walk. Where, where, are where, some, where are some places that jumped out to you ooh. that were like, this isn't just a, an everyday walk. This is something special. Hmm. Well, I mean, the Vetter River Trail is an obvious pick for most people because of what it offers, but I really love it for its... I like going, you know how it has, it has like a new loop to it where you can go over that little train bridge to get over to the other side and you have a whole trail that goes in there. Yeah. I like going the other way. Yeah. So going over the, over our bridge right by the parking lot first and then going the long way around. But I mean, it's not the most, I mean, it's an inspiring trail, but it's not where I'd go the most for inspiration. Um, where would I go? I mean, Cultus Lakes area is without without any comparison is one of the most beautiful parts of our area. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's where a lot of my inspiration for my work started. You know, it started on that lake, looking out at that branch on the lake. And a lot of my more well-known pieces are of the lake. So I'd recommend going to the lake, being inspired there. But um, is there anywhere in Victoria? Mm. Because you talked about the old buildings and I feel like that's something that Chilliwack kind of misses. We don't have that. Except for whatever they're building down there has some pretty... In Garrison? Uh, no, downtown. Like what they're developing oh, there has yeah, yeah. Like that little bit it's of... It's got that Victoria vibe, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so in Victoria, I would go to Beacon Hill Park. That's a beautiful area for just looking at the old growth forests of that area. Um, just the neighborhoods. Neighborhoods in that area. Like Moss Street was... I lived at the top of Moss Street. Do you know, do you know Victoria? No. So there's this area called Craig Derrick Castle. It's a city very close to the downtown area. It's one of the most touristy spots. I lived right where the double-decker buses stop to unload people. So I'd go for a walk by the by Craig Derrick Castle, go down into the area behind that. So between Fort Street and uh, Clover Point, there's this beautiful area of just all these little neighborhoods with so many of these funky little trees with little foresty tr- walkways and, and streets. And I love walking through that area. So if you're in Victoria, head down Moss street and just be, and just go down any, which right and left street you see it's yeah. gorgeous. What do you think of the legislature just out of curiosity and just like, how you mean it, like how it looks? Or? Yeah. And the, the aesthetic and that style. Is I've, a- I've actually painted it. <laughs> really? Um, I, I, the, I, the only time I've ever done like on site, art like painting something that i'm there in i took one summer one summer i was stand i was sitting in their massive park the massive grassway sitting with a canvas painting it and tourists would come by look at what i'm doing take photos of the art and stuff i think it's a beautiful building um i think it's got beautiful architecture and so that whole area is gorgeous victoria is a gorgeous city because it feels old it feels like an old city (laughs) with newer parts but it's like, I don't know, every building has charm in that city. And I feel like a lot of cities lose that to skyscrapers and downtown sub like buildings and stuff. Like there aren't very many tall buildings in Victoria, even if it's the capital. And I think that's special. I agree. And that's what kind of frustrates me is because I wish we had more of that because that sense of... We don't have a single escalator in this city. Do you know how crazy that is? I didn't know that. We don't have an escalator. 
That would make sense, though. You're right, because we don't, yeah. <laughs> we don't have these big buildings. Yeah. We have elevators, sure, but our tallest building's a hotel. I just I just wish that in Canada we cared more about our architecture. Totally. We just, it feels too efficient, too cost-effective yeah. where we miss out on that. And I enjoy Garrison. I think that they've done a good job on that. I love it. I love living there. It's beautiful. What was that like to move from Victoria back to Chilliwack? And did you notice any differences in terms of that acceptance uh you mean like what do you mean by that like, like accepting like, like me accepting the city like just being having that support like it obviously amber's trying to support you did you experience that in victoria that same sense of community no backing you no because that's a city of artists competing against each other there's a i mean there are beautiful theater companies and stuff like that that really support each other but i think i've moved to a location where there aren't enough artists fighting for something so it's easier to build a name for yourself when there's no one really around you doing the work yeah. too so in victoria it was there was an there was an artist on every corner right every street there was a new guy trying to make their name for themselves like in vancouver like that's why i don't want to ever move to vancouver because there's a there's an artist trying harder than you and as hard as you to make a name for themselves on every corner and i don't have that here in chilliwack there's like a few odd people who make it so i trying i'm just trying to build that sense of maybe competition maybe someone right now is listening going fuck i can do what this guy's doing maybe i can even do it better and i dare you i see you i see you painting let's paint together get at it so that's what i want to do i want to create that competition in this city this this drive to create something new yeah so yeah that's so and there is no acceptance here because there was no one really to accept this until i started settling and building myself here and establishing myself and then i got noticed what is it like to interact with other artists who do have that competitive mindset i i don't know i haven't had that chance yet no you haven't like you weren't in victoria and somebody was like i wasn't trying to make a name for myself in victoria yet okay. because i was still in school and i was focused on school i moved back and now it's like like it's like i'm actually living life now yeah and now i'm only really thinking about it but like there weren't all no, I wasn't thinking that this was going to be the career when I was in Victoria. I believed it for sure, but it wasn't where I was at yet. Yeah. Yeah. And so moving forward, you work hard on sharing these pieces and putting them into people's homes and people purchasing your art. What has that process been like? And how do people approach you with like, I want you to make this artistic? Well, I mean, I'm working on a commission right now from some dude in Ontario who has a cabin on a lake and he just you know he found me through my website through listening to one of these podcasts and he said yeah i like what you're doing here's a photo of my cabin can you paint it i'm like hell yeah i can what's your size and estimate and he's like i want it to be this big how much would you charge i'm like i would charge the sex amount he's like beautiful when are you gonna get started i'm like i am a little busy right now but i'll tell you when i get started then I get started. It's as simple as that. That's wild. And yeah. How many times has that happened? Or do you have any? It's other... getting busy right now, dude. Yeah. Like it after this, this exhibition and moving home and doing this more, I have like five or six commissions lined up right now and they continue to line up. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy that I'm being seen as someone to just, I don't know. I think people love, love art. People are jealous that they can't do it themselves. So they end up paying others to do it for them. And that's beautiful that I get to help people appreciate their world around them that they can't do on that level. So it's really humbling, of course, like, you know, to be the guy people can go to, to create something that's, that's really huge. Like 
a big part of art is being seen and like the I, the wanting to be seen and you know being of course the young kid who didn't really know what life was doing like feeling like you're invisible to the world and like i now am more visible than ever and i'm just adjusting to that right now it's fun it's it's a, it's a humbling experience well and i think that you're going to be because i don't think the chilliwacks had those big artists i think that you're going to be one of those names in 10 15 years where everybody knows your standard household name i would hope so but it's not what i want it's not what i should think is going to happen i yeah. hope it happens because i'm i'm not i'm not going to give this up i've been where i this brought me out of something so dark that it's now become the most light part of my life. And I'm not going to just throw that away. So I hope that happens. But yeah, yeah, man. Well, and I think that that's where it's so important that I'd like to get more of your philosophical side, because I think that you are setting such an important example for young people right now who are like, I want to be an artist, but like, who's a big name? And because that's what this podcast was all based on is that I don't think we hear from the people within the community enough to understand that you're working hard at your passion and that somebody else is going to have the same passion as you and want to pick that up one day and do it because yeah. they saw, oh, I was walking down the road when I was like 10 years old and I saw your mural on the wall. And it was just like, that's, I have to start something and I have yeah. to try and do this. And I think that that's where all of this is heading eventually. I is, hope so. Is those murals are going to play such a role for young people being like, I don't have to go become a dentist, uh, <laughs> whatever you think you have to go become. I want to go do the thing that I see. I want to give the effect to those kids or those people that I had the effect of when I was in my mom's art gallery. Yeah. Because we don't really have an art gallery in the city anymore. It had to, some, you know, the, that business isn't here anymore. And the only other art, art display place is the cultural center. Fuck. That's depressing as hell for an artist trying to make the name for themselves. So I want this downtown area to be that art gallery that inspired me. I want them, I want those people to walk by and go, I can do that too. Or, whoa, who is that? I want to, what, like, you know, I don't want people to just be an artist because I'm an artist. I want people to be inspired as inspired as I was to do whatever it is they want to do. If they want to be, go be a dentist and they're inspired by that energy I put into this, fuck yeah. It's, uh, I'm not here to make new artists. I'm here to make new passionate people. Yeah. About anything. And anything. Ab and about building up that resiliency to say when you're in a dark place that you can get out of it and you can set the example for others eventually by by taking the road less traveled. And that's where I feel like you were because it's a huge risk you know. to to look at your life and go, you know what? I don't know if I want to do this, but you know what? Maybe this, like you start sketching and you take that risk on yourself yeah. where most people are like, I don't want to take that risk. I want to, I want to know for a fact that I'm going to be X person one day. And that's where I feel like a lot of people get off the artist train and we miss out on so many different people because I drew all as a child and my grandma would look at all of my artistic work and think it was not very good because it was not very good but that's okay because i was just expressing myself and i didn't take that feedback of like this is i was drawing stick people as a bad thing no. but it's about being open to sharing who you are and being honest with the people around you exactly and look here you are doing a podcast where that's literally what it is you're being open and honest with people around you mm -hmm. and people who are going to be listening to in the future yeah like this is what it's all about man yeah, so I'd just like to end this off by understanding where exactly people can find you and locate the information. How long is the art gallery going on for? So we are there until the 19th of March, um, but you can find me at all times 
on my Facebook and my Instagram and my website. So I have a Facebook, l.simpsonart, Instagram, at l.simpsonart, and a website that is l.simpsonartwix.com. <laughs> so that's where you can find me. So uh, let's reach out. Let's work out. Let's not work out. Let's let's work together, people. Let's do this. That's that's such... Sorry, I just have to ask, what is that like to work with other artists and hear from them? I just totally blanked on that because you do get to hear another artist's perspective. As a matter of fact, it's actually funny. Um, I had an artist from, I think, Aldergrove, somewhere to, co close to Vancouver, go, hey, saw your newspaper article. I'm trying to make art myself, too. Like, what was that? How did you get that opportunity? And I said to them, I got lucky because I worked hard at something I believed in, do a little bit of it every single day, and you'll find that success whether you like it or not. And that's what I told them. And they were like, I really needed to hear that. Thank you. That is so important for people to hear, not just artists, but everyone to understand that if you work hard at something, it, It'll, it, it, it can only pay off. Yeah. It's never a waste of time. You're only ever moving forward. You're never moving backwards when you when you care about something. Absolutely. And when you can share that with someone and someone sees it, yeah. they can see it from a whole different perspective that opens up whole new opportunities for others. Because for me, one thing that I've thought a lot about is like, I am enjoying hearing these stories, but... I want to learn still as well. And so I'm interested in creating like a how to start a business podcast as a mini series within this hearing from locals who talk about like knowing what business organization you want to create, hearing from lawyers, what their recommendations would be and being able to set that out so that people can have a broader understanding of how to move forward. And I love that about Copia Line because I do think that that is the instrument to create young artists. Yeah. And the way David laid it out, it doesn't seem like you guys have much competition in terms of better ways of getting started. No. So, I mean, to answer that question, if you, I mean, to make it about that business perspective, never, in my opinion, who am I to say? I don't own a business, but I've only seen what it takes to be a passionate person. Never go in and like, you know, with art even, never go into it for the money. If you're going into it for the money, go get a job. If you're not into it for the money and you're into it to help somebody or help some community with a product or an idea that you have, that's why you get into it in the first place. Don't just do it for the money. Go get a job if you want money. Yeah do this to make a life for yourself well, and, and a life for others. And that's what jumped out about me about how to start a business is because for Indigenous people, like a lot of my community members, they don't understand how to start a business, who they would need to contact if they had an idea. Mm -hmm. And there are, to me, a lot of Indigenous artists who just don't know where to go, how to, how to start something unique and how to find their own path. And so to me, it's important that I, I try and get those tools to those communities Beautiful. where they've been stuck and they've been stagnant and they, they're hesitant on where to go and they don't have information on how to do things. And like, a lot of our world is just based on asking the right people the right questions. And if you're living far from like businesses, you won't know how to start businesses. You won't know what ideas, how to approach it and how to do things in a more cost effective way. And not being able to ask people is again, the reason I started this is because we never get to hear from the artists unless we do something like this, where we get them in a room. Most conversations are private. And if somebody asks you, hey, how did you do this? Yeah. You'll tell that person, but that doesn't hit, hit the mainstream. It doesn't reach me, a person who doesn't know much about art. And I think it's important to address those deficits in knowledge. Well, look, I started somewhere very small. 
It was me and my friends, me and my family, me and family friends, me and their family friends' friends. It has to start small to get big. You can't just expect you're going to be this huge thing out of nowhere. And maybe that's how business is too. You just got to start with an idea. Your friend likes it. Their friends like it. Their family's friends like it. And then it goes from there. And that's where I've been with my work now. So you, it's about who you know, but you don't know everybody right off the bat. Yeah. Right. Lucas, you are an incredibly inspiring person. I th- feel like it is incredible where you started from and not being an artist and being more into a different area and then moving into this and having such a drive, such a passion that comes through Thank in you. how you're communicating, in how you're just directly addressing the issues and saying that you want to see more people doing these types of things. I think that we need more of that in this community. I think that building up the next generations of artists, I mean, you're only 25, I'm only 25. And I think I feel like both of us have a lot of work to do in moving our community forward in a better direction. Then let's get it done. Let's do it.